0: Hello, my Rebels, I've got a question for you. Why is only Canada arresting Christian pastors? Like, there's lockdowns in, in almost every country. Why are we the only ones arresting Christian pastors? Not even China is, not even Iran is, nowhere in America, nowhere in Europe. Why are we doing it? We did it again on the weekend, Pastor Arthur Pavlovsky. Why? I'll try and answer that in today's podcast. I'd like to invite you to become a subscriber To the video version of the podcast, there's some incredible video, shocking video, of the arrest this weekend of Pastor Arthur Pavlovsky. A SWAT team-style raid. you think he was El Chapo or Pablo Escobar, the way they took him down in the middle of the highway, cars whizzing by, just unbelievable. Anyways, that's today's podcast. I just want you to see what it looks like, the video footage. And you can get that becoming a member of Rebel News Plus. It's 8 bucks a month. Which is half the price of Netflix. Just go to rebelnews.com, click subscribe. You get my daily show, weekly shows from Sheila Gunry, David Menzies, Andrew Chapados, and you get the knowledge that you're supporting Canada's most important independent media company. All right, here's today's podcast. Tonight, why is Canada the only country jailing Christian pastors? It's May 10th and this is the Ezra LeVant Show. Why should others go to jail why? when you're a biggest carbon Canada. consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why i is because it's my bloody right to do so. I've known Pastor Arthur Pavlomsky for years. I got to know him when I was at Sun News. We did stories on him. And at Rebel News, he became our very first client in our Fight the Fines project. More than a year ago, it was still snowing in April in Calgary. He was out feeding food to the hungry homeless. And police said that was an illegal gathering. Remember this?
1: This is not a event. This is not your neighborhood for the fun of it. We are providing necessities of life to those that you and your bosses refuse to provide. You got all kinds of events happening right now and yet the highest finest are not bothering them. This is the hypocrisy of this city. This is the hypocrisy of (laughs) our wonderful fearless leaders. Where is Nahat Nenshi? It may, hey, the
0: mayor of this city. to stand back from me a little bit. Whoa, 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 whoa! Okay, feet! Stand back! Okay, or what? Stand You're back!
2: Can f- f- threaten uh, me and f- f- abuse me? Hey, guys, do not six do that. Tell him six not six to touch me. Six, six feet away for everybody. Back up now. That's for everybody. Okay. Okay.
0: He was our very first client. Now we have over 1,200. He beat that case. Our first client. Our first victory. And the lawyer was Sarah Miller of the Calgary firm JSS Barristers. It's been lots of work for Sarah since. Arthur's received more tickets. Here's an example.
3: Um, the the difficulty was they didn't give any of these tickets to Arthur and his brother while they were actually handing out food. They showed up at Arthur's house uh, many days later to hand him just a pile of tickets. Um, so there the tickets are very disconnected from the actual incident. That's not necessarily bad faith, but another kind of step of we're showing up at your house. We're showing intimidation. we're we're giving you these tickets. So the the two things combined really make you think, what what is Calgary Police Service doing with with Arthur Plowski here? Uh,
0: Sarah's gotten to know Arthur well, probably even better than I know him. Well, the whole world has been getting to know Pastor Arthur. Sometimes he's called the Polish pastor because this video went super viral globally.
1: Please get out. Get out of this property. Immediately get out. Get out of this property. Immediately. Out. I don't want to hear anything. Out of this property. Immediately. I don't want to hear a word. Out.
2: Out. Out, out of this property. Immediately until you come back with a warrant. Out. Out. Out, 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 out of this property, immediately out, immediately go out and don't come back. Don't, I don't want to talk to you. Not a word, out of this property, out of this property, immediately out. I don't care what you have to say, out, out, out of this property, you Nazis, out. Out! Gestapo is not allowed here. Immediately, Gestapo is not allowed. Out! Do you understand English? Get out of this property. Go. So go. Go. And don't come back without a warrant. Out, Nazi. Out!
0: Out! That's pretty powerful stuff. Normally, I get a little nervous when people throw around the word... Nazi or Gestapo too casually. But as you know, Pastor Arthur Pawlowski is Polish. He knows what it's like for his country to be dominated by the Nazis and the Soviets, the communists and the Nazis. You know that when he says someone is the Gestapo, he's not using it as an insult. He's using it as a description from his and his family history. Well, he did it a second time. At
1: the back. No, you can contact, can no, back. no, 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 no. You service can service. contact my lawyer, okay? My lawyer takes care of this. I'm not interested to listen to any word you have to say. I do not cooperate with the Gestapo. I do not talk to the Nazis. You came in your uniforms like thugs. That's what you are. Brown shirts of Adolf Hitler. You are Nazi, Gestapo, communist, fascist. I do not cooperate with Nazis. Talk to my lawyer. You're not allowed here. You're not welcomed here. Awesome. And I'm not going to cooperate with Gestapo like you, okay? So, is that fair enough for you? Awesome. Talk I to my wanted, lawyer. I just wanted to explain a little bit about the
3: order. I'm not interested.
1: I just to at least have a
3: conversation. I'm not interested I to in talking. talking you,
1: see, those, you see, this is what the Gestapo is doing. You're coming, to co- you're coming to the place of worship to intimidate. And to, to harass. To so you can make so an appointment. Lady, listen to me. Can you can make an appointment.
2: Another day. Okay, you get Gestapo. Another day. Not this day. Not this day. Not, this day. Okay. not during the church. Okay. You understand? Okay. Make an appointment. Okay, fine. okay. So go.
0: See you later on. Have a good day. You are sick. That's what you are. Well, the Calgary police and the government of Alberta did not like that. They did not like that one bit. I mean, they locked up even the quiet and dove-like pastor in Edmonton, James Coates with Grace Life Church.
2: You see, some give the impression that if we were being persecuted, then only then would it be right for us to gather, which is a strange position, especially since all you need to do is... Is, is obey the government comply with government to avoid persecution if you comply with the government you may never be persecuted
3: now and can no, you tell you us exactly what happened that, last week because i've seen that, reports that you were that arrested i was arrested
2: um i was arrested and released in the same moment and uh, the rcmp
3: has been um excellent as they've Navigated this. Uh, obviously, they're under a lot of pressure. I would think uh, to enforce the health orders that are in place. But um, but yeah, they've they've been good. Uh, I was arrested, and uh, and and I even said to them at one point in time, so technically, I'm arrested. And they said, Oh, you're arrested. Um, but I was arrested and released in the same moment. And so that was for violating the public health order.
2: Yes, uh, Section 73 of the Public Health Act, yeah.
0: If they would lock up such a gentleman as him and jail him for 35 days, and of course they seized the Grace Life Church and expropriated it and turned it into an armed garrison, of course they're going to go after the firebrand of Calgary, Arthur Pavlovsky. And so it was that this Saturday, Pastor Arthur held services again. Look at this quick clip from our cameraman, K2, who was in the church. Boy, that looks great. That looks heartwarming, doesn't it? It looks like a vignette from the before times when we didn't go crazy from the pandemic. Well, the SWAT team arrived, but they looked at the 100 men, women, and children in the church, and they thought, maybe we better not go in there guns blazing. Look at this. Get
2: out! Get 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 out!
0: but the thing is you don't call up dozens of SWAT team cops put them on overtime pay tell them to wear their heavy weapons for nothing so after the church when pastor Pavlovsky and his brother David got into their car to drive home the SWAT team well they decided to have an El Chapo style a Pablo Escobar, Escobar Escobar-style raid. They raided, they swarmed Pastor Arthur as he was driving on the road. They extracted him from his vehicle. Take a look. Can I ask some questions why did they pull him out of his car and take him into the middle of the road a very busy road? Why did they make him kneel? Why did they need so many cops? Why, Why didn't they stop traffic cars were whizzing by it was an exit lane? Why were they putting him at risk like that? Was he so dangerous? Why did they? Handcuff him was he violent did he have a weapon? And then why did they hold him in prison for so very long without letting him talk to lawyers? Remember, they know his lawyer, Sarah Miller. They've worked with her many times. She's beaten them every time. Maybe that's the answer why they wouldn't let his lawyer, Sarah Miller, talk to her. Well, finally this morning, Pastor Arthur had his day in court and I think it might be a victory, a miracle, I mean, it was a victory, and that's a miracle. I'm actually a little bit stunned, and I think so was the government. How? How did Pastor James Coates get thrown away for 35 days in the prison, but Pastor Arthur Pavlovsky get out and his first bail hearing? How did that happen? I don't know. I've got some theories. Good lawyers. Sarah's doing a great job, crowdfunded by good people. A government that's maybe overreaching, a judge that is fair-minded, Prayer. I don't know. I'm surprised. I think he will be back in jail, though, because I don't think he's going to stop opening up his church. But why is this only happening in Canada? Now, I have seen some bad things in other countries. For example, remember this from Easter weekend in the UK? Ladies and gentlemen, This uh, gathering is
1: unfortunately lawful, unlawful, under the coronavirus regulations we have currently. You are not allowed to meet inside with this many people under law.
0: At this moment in time, you need to go home. And that is just appalling. That is outrageous. That is a disgrace. But the police apologized and there were no arrests made. No priest was taken off to the clink. Why is Canada so gung-ho about jailing Christians, and only Christians? No one of any other faith. And why is there no one speaking up against this? No one. There's no opposition speaking up against this. In fact, Rachel Notley, the former NDP premier, said it was about time. Here's her tweet on that. Where's the media? Well, here's a freelance photographer who does a lot of work for the CBC, he was thrilled with the arrest and didn't mind if you knew it. Where are the civil liberties groups? They're silent. Where are, I don't know, the law professors? Where are the other churches? Well, they're either silent or cheering on the cops. Here's a letter from the Knox United Church that was condemning grace life. If they condemn grace life who are peaceful like doves, imagine what they have to say about a lion like Arthur. Well, then who, who's going to fight back? Who cares about civil liberties? Who says, look, if Costco's open and Walmart's open and the liquor stores are open and marijuana stores are open and NHL teams are open, how about a church? (sighs) Well, I guess until sanity returns, I, I guess it's us. Stay with us for more from Alberta. back well for various reasons rebel news head office is in toronto ontario and around that uh, our office staff has grown ontario is the largest province in terms of population it's where the federal capital is it's where the country's biggest city is you know the reasons that said alberta is also a laboratory of ideas in this country. It's a place where conservatism sometimes finds deep roots. It's also a place where populism bubbles up. And recently, bizarrely in my mind, it's been a place where freedom has been in the deepest retreat. The province's motto in Latin means strong and free, and yet it has the most punitive lockdowns in the country. And so I'm delighted to report that in the last few weeks, we have increased the size of our Alberta team. Under the leadership of Sheila Gunn-Reed, our chief reporter and our Alberta bureau chief, we've added to that a reporter in Edmonton named Daniel Day, working for us on a halftime basis, a reporter in Calgary named Adam Sos, who's just done outstanding work even in the short weeks he's been with us, and our newest recu- recruit who uh, coincidentally happens to be named Kean, Kean Simone. We call him K2 to distinguish him from Kean Bextie. So we have a four-person team in Alberta. And just in the nick of time, the province is, is overflowing with news. And now we go to our Alberta Bureau Chief, Sheila Gunn-Reed, Reid, is on the scene in central Alberta with some breaking news. Sheila, great to see you again.
3: Hey, Ezra. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, I'm here with some breaking news. I'm actually at the ranch of Ty Northcott and the Northcott family and Northcott Rodeo Inc. Because he has just received, he and his wife and the company have received summonses to appear in court to answer to the charge of breaking the Public Health Act for holding their protest rodeo rally. uh, Would be two weekends ago now in Bowdoin.
0: So uh, thank you for breaking that news. You're on the scene. I know you were at that rodeo. It certainly felt free. It felt very Albertan, mm-hmm. and it felt rural. Obviously, those things, you know, they're, they're self-evident. But the rural part is interesting because um, rural Albertans, they're physically spread out. They're often outdoors. Outdoors work in a rodeo, in a ranch, and a farm, and oil rigs, whatnot. So they're not densely packed urban dwellers living you know, in stuffy high-rises, working in stuffy skyscrapers. The public health dynamics of people living in the country is very different from those living in the city. And yet the decisions in Alberta and indeed in most Western jurisdictions are made in capitals. And some grand public health vizier sends out an order and everyone must follow it regardless of the local circumstance. That's the first thing that strikes me is the epidemiological differences between rural Alberta and, you know, the bunkers where these health experts so-called are in. The second is the politics. There's no one more free and independent than a cowboy. I mean, Mm -hmm. they are, uh, you know, the idea of a cowboy and the government, that's like oil and water. So the idea that some city slicker bureaucrat like, uh, I don't know, Dina Hinshaw, the health officer in Alberta, is going to issue some, you know, decree and suddenly a cowboy is not going to ride a a horse. That just sounds laughable to me. Politically, it sounds like a death wish for any conservative party that depends on rural parts. What do you make of what I've just said, that what you have here is an urban leftist authoritarian police state ideology being imposed on faraway rural independent-minded people? Um, And if I was a local... UCP, United Conservative Party, MLA, I would be deeply worried for my future.
3: I think you're exactly right. Um, A lot of the dynamic that, and as a lifelong rural person, I feel this deeply every single day. It's very much the same dynamic that Western Canada has with Ottawa, where these far off people with different issues than us are making these blanket decisions to control our lives when they don't know what it's like where we are. And we have a different set of values. And that's the same dynamic at play right now with a bunch of cubicle dwelling Edmonton decision makers making decisions for cowboys and ranch hands and people who work on drilling rigs. It it just doesn't make any sense. And that's why Ty Northcott held his rodeo. It was a rally to show the government that we still think it's fine to do these sorts of things outside if you can be in a Walmart you can go to a rodeo and so you know uh, you've seen it in Mirror in Bashaw in uh, Bowdoin the community has come out in full force to support these guys as they stand up to the decision makers in Edmonton their communities support them now will their MLA support them that remains to be seen however Those MLAs a few weeks ago who signed that anti-lockdown letter, I, I think it's about a dozen and a half UCP MLAs, signed a letter basically saying they no longer support these ongoing lockdowns. Those were largely rural MLAs. So are we seeing sort of that unraveling of the party back to the old PCs that held on to Edmonton and Calgary and then the Wild Rose? that represented the rural parts of Alberta? I don't know, but it seems as though the broad coalition of the UCP is starting to come apart at the seams.
0: Yeah, it's incredible to me. I mean, the Western Standard Magazine, um, an online publication uh, that actually picked up the reins from the old print magazine that I used to publish more than a decade ago, uh, they published a scoop uh, a week or so ago where they say that Jason Kenney told his caucus MLAs that he wants a new party base. Base referring to, mm-hmm. you know, the the most passionate, the most partisan loyalists. Um, the UCP base would include rock ribbed conservatives, rural people, Calgarians, kind of thing. Their growth area would be downtown, fancy pants, Edmontonians, things like that. So, you you generally don't do well replacing your base. You know, I've heard of parties uh, losing. Uh, winning with just their base. I've never heard of parties winning without their base. Um, And it's so odd because Jason Kenney himself was the one who laboriously combined the Progressive Conservatives and the Wild Rose Party. So it's very odd that he would be so cavalier about it, considering it took him years to put it together.
3: Yeah, it's very weird to hear Jason Kenney say that he wants a new base. Who's he going to replace them with? NDPers, dyed-in-the-wool NDPers, university students? I mean, the Liberal Party does not exist in Alberta. So you have to draw from the NDP well of public sector unionists, students, and academics. How does Jason Kenney think that he can expand his base to consume those people. It just doesn't work. I mean, cowboys, ranchers, rig hands, blue collar people, rural people. Those are the reliable conservative base. Jason Kenney has so annoyed them that they are protesting against him now. And in the instance of Chris Scott, they're willing to go to jail to protest him. I don't see how Jason Kenney hangs on to power without making peace with these people, apologizing to them. But my concern is that he's running out of runway before the next election to make it right.
0: Yeah, you know, um, I used to work 25 years ago for Preston Manning, and I listened to him because of course his father, Ernest Manning, was the premier of Alberta from 1944 on, or 1943-44, after the death of uh, the social credit uh, founder, Bill Eberhardt. So Preston, and his father, Ernest, lived grassroots populism, even more than ideological conservatism. It was populism. And the history of Alberta, Preston Manning always said, was tired parties being replaced with new populist parties from the right, the United Farmers of Alberta, who were then replaced by the Socrates. And it looked like the Progressive Conservatives of Alberta were going to be replaced by the Wild Rose. Jason Kenney came in and did a merger kind of thing. I have to say, I mean, although Alberta's demographics have changed and there's a lot of newcomers who aren't part of this old mold, there's still, you know, there's still a lot of seats that I don't think Jason Kenney can take for granted. And if there were a credible alternative, they would absolutely go to it because Alberta does that every generation. Some provinces would never in a million years create a new party. I think of Ontario, they just wouldn't. But Alberta creates new parties as often as they wash their hair.
3: Yeah, we do it provincially and federally. <laughs> you know, like the the Reform Party really grew out of Alberta and then took over the uh, federal PC. So, I mean, it's something that we have a long history of doing and that we're really good at. Um, but to say that Alberta's demographics are changing, I, I think that's true. But people still choose Alberta for the same reasons people have always chosen Alberta, the same reason my ancestors chose Alberta and your ancestors chose Alberta. Come here because it's free, mm-hmm. because this is a place where you can be left alone. You can mm-hmm. live your life however you want. Um, and there's this ethos of hard work and good choices uh, will pay off. And, and it has, by and large. For most people. And so for me, while the, the demographics have somewhat changed, I don't think the philosophy of Alberta has. There's a reason you come to Calgary and Bowden and Fort Saskatchewan as opposed to Toronto. That thing remains true.
0: Well, uh, Sheila, I have one more question for you. I saw Brian Jean, who was the yes. former Wild Rose leader. He used to be an MP with Jason Kenney under Stephen Harper. Then he came to run mm-hmm. the Wild Rose he had a battle with Jason Kenney for the leadership of this new thing, and he's sort of been nursing his wounds, looking at his wounds for a while. I saw him make a statement the other day about the party base and about the leftward drift, authoritarian drift. I haven't been following Brian Jean lately, and, and sometimes he looks like a little bit of a I'll take my marbles and go away kind of guy, but maybe he is the right guy to come back, or if not the right guy, a guy. You can't beat someone with no one, and maybe Brian Jean wants to get back in the game. Do you have any info about that other than his one statement that I think you both, you and I both saw?
3: I don't have any inside information quite yet. However, I do know that the party base, or I guess the old party base, before Jason Kenney threw them off the lifeboat, um, they are saber rattling for uh, a leadership review. And that sort of has been squashed at the local level by the party itself but there's only one way to move forward with this mess that jason kenny has created and it is a leadership review and i don't know if Jay, if brian Jean would be willing to throw his hat back in the ring but if jason kenny truly believes that the majority of the party faithful the voting members the donors, the volunteers—if he believes what he's been doing, especially these last few months, is in line with what they would like to see for him as the leader of the party, then he's got to put it to them to put this to rest and heal the party. Otherwise, it's going to break apart.
0: Before we go, uh, you're at uh, Ty Northcott's ranch where he's being served these summonses, and as long as along with his family and his uh, business. Can you give us an update on our friend, Chris Scott, the proprietor of the Whistle Stop. We've been calling it a diner, but it's much more than a diner. It's the only gas station in town. It's the only general yeah. store in town. It's the community hub and they serve food. He was arrested and again, I find this like a night of the Long Knives when in the yeah. Soviet Union, you know, the, uh, the dictators would round up all their political opponents all at once. I say that analogy because The health orders involved here, they don't actually carry a jail term. So when you're scooping up Arthur Pavlovsky in Calgary and scooping up Chris Scott in Mirror, Alberta, you're using police and handcuffs and jail cells for people who are not actually accused of any crimes. It's tantamount to, I mean, the dollar amount on their their fines is large. But if it was a parking ticket or an overdue library fine... um, you know, that's about the same gravity legally as a, as a ticket under these health laws. It's just that they're 1500 bucks. So, I mean, I haven't looked at the summonses that, that have been issued in the last week, but my understanding is that none of them carry with them custodial punishment. None of them require a jail term. So to throw a guy in jail preemptively for an alleged offense that doesn't carry with it a jail term seems like political punishment and a political prisoner to me. What do you know about Chris Scott?
3: Well, I just checked my phone as we were talking there, and we are in constant communication with his lawyer, Chad Williamson, from Williamson and He said his whole firm is mobilized to try to get Chris out on bail, and it seems as though that won't happen until tomorrow. So uh, he spent Saturday night in jail, all day Sunday. Looks like he's going to spend Monday night in jail before they can... Uh, get a hearing to get him out. But what they're doing to Pastor Art and to Chris and potentially Glenn Carrot of United We Roll, because he did attend uh, Chris Scott's protest over the weekend, is very similar to what they did to Pastor James Coates, and that it is not uh, the crime of breaking the public health order, if you can call that that they're going to jail for it's for contempt of court really Um, because the province on Thursday in secret went and got an emergency restraining order against Chris Scott, Glenn Carrot. Those are the two men named in the order and Jane's Jane does and John Doe. So that's you, me, everybody preventing them and us from organizing participating in or even promoting what the government calls an illegal public gathering, which is anything more than five people. And it's the Orwellian term the government is using to describe political protest against the laws the government is bringing down on these people. Jason Kenney has a restraining order against the charter rights of all Albertans right now. And that's why Chris Scott is in jail, because he held a protest and the government has a restraining order against his right to do that.
0: You know, and I've never heard of such a thing that you get a restraining order against the whole world. I've never heard of that. Um, it feels like it's an attempt to legislate through a secret court process. It just feels like an end run around democracy. Um, and yeah. gatherings are a fundamental freedom in Canada. You're allowed to gather in a Costco. Why aren't you allowed to gather politically? I think there's some charter challenges we need to do here. I just can't believe this is all happening under Jason Kenney's watch. He used to be so strong a conservative, not just financially, but in every capacity, especially religious freedom, uh, smaller government reigning in authoritarianism. I, I am having trouble understanding it. I've known Jason since I was in college. I find this confusing, but we must do what we must do. And that is to fight like hell, to cover journalistically what's happening, and to through our Civil Liberties Project, defend those that no one else will defend. And that's why I would encourage people to go to fightthefines.com. Sounds like Ty Northcott has his own lawyer, but we're giving the lawyer, we're crowdfunding him for Chris Scott. We're crowdfunding the lawyer for Arthur Pavlovsky, And actually, uh, as of this morning's meeting, I learned that we are now representing 1,200 people across Canada. And Sheila, I know you've... You've gotten to know dozens of them. Uh, thank you for this update. Let us know when Chris Scott is out of jail. We'll want to talk to him. And let us know if the police try any more moves.
3: Okay, we will do, boss. Talk to you later.
0: Okay, thanks, Sheila. There you have it. Sheila gunn coming to us live from the property of Ty Northcott in central Alberta. Stay with us. More ahead. Welcome back. I tell you, we have such a growing team, so many new people, including a team working all over Alberta. There's now four reporters on our team in Alberta. I think that's incredible where recently we just had one, but there's so much news out there as there is across Canada. Our team is growing and it's growing because of support from you. So I thank you for that. The $8 a month you spend in subscribing to this premium show helps pay those bills. Plus, If you're part of our crowdfunding effort, that helps too. We now have a registered charity called the Democracy Fund working with us on the Civil Liberties Project. So, for example, the SaveArthur.com crowdfunding goes through that charity. The charity hires the lawyers directly. So the money never comes to Rebel News, but it pays for the battles that we would have had to pay for out of our own pocket, so everyone's a winner. The uh, Civil Liberties clients get their legal help, the lawyers get paid directly, and donors actually get a charitable tax receipt. Now that's only for certain projects that are covered under the CRA categories of charities, but it's still wonderful, and it's how we've been able to support 1,200 fight the fines cases, just incredible. You know, I feel like we're all alone uh, sometimes when I look at Twitter, or the other media, we're the only folks on a certain side of the issue most of the time. That is a lonely feeling if cyberspace were real, if Twitter were real, if the CBC were real. But it's not real. I find great strength in the fact that grassroots Canadians support us every step of the way. We don't take a dime from government, of course. So anything that has the word rebel on it, any reporter, any project, anything we do, you know. Is supported by a viewer just like you. So thank you for being part of our efforts. That's the show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World World Headquarters, excuse me, and you at home, good night. Keep fighting for freedom. We will too.